Last week we started a series called Loosing Hope. And loosing, not losing, uh, it's a pun. It's supposed to be a punny play on words. We're talking, <laughs> talking about like uh, this idea of Christmas. God comes in the, uh, into the world in the form of a baby, in the form of Jesus, and, and unleashes hope into the world. And so we're going to talk about what does that mean for us personally, uh, and then what does it mean for us corporately as a community. And I want to start today in Matthew chapter 8. So if you have your Bibles or your iPhones or however you read Scripture, it's also going to be on the screen behind me. Open to uh, Matthew chapter 8. In this story, Jesus starts off coming down from the mountain. And this huge crowd is following him. And if you kind of see what's happening, this is a, a pivotal point in, in the, the story of Jesus when he comes down from this mountain. Because it's not just any mountain. This mountain is the mount. And so on this mount, Jesus gives probably his most famous teaching, the Sermon on the Mount. You see that in Matthew chapter 5 through, through 7. It's this, this, this teaching on the Beatitudes. This is this teaching on where Jesus is redefining what it looks like to be in relationship with God. And he's redefining what it looks like to be blessed. And he's redefining what it, what it means to, 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 have God in your, to have God in your life. He's reorienting power in the world. And it's this revolutionary teaching that Jesus gives in the Sermon on the Mount. Sometimes we, we read through it and we've heard it so many times that it just kind of, oh yeah. But, but this, this teaching, when it, when it hits, when Jesus gives it, it's this revolutionary teaching. And it starts a revolution. It's this basically vision statement for what the kingdom of God on earth is going to be. This kingdom of God that, that Jesus is, is bringing here and now. It's, it's pointing us to kind of what the future is when God restores everything, but it's also saying this can happen here and now. And so Jesus gives this teaching and this crowd is following him. It's this teaching that starts this revolution, this teaching that's this vision for what life here can be with God. And as he kind of wraps up the Sermon on the Mount, as he, he goes through uh, the Beatitudes and he goes through these, these teachings where he's kind of deconstructing the religious system and, and, and showing a new way of, of following God, uh, he ends with these words in Matthew chapter 7. If you have your Bible, you can read along. It says, Jesus says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So Jesus does this connection between he who hears these words of mine and then puts them into practice. He's like a wise man, and he builds his house on a rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had a foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house. And it fell with a great crash. And then when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teachings because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. So Jesus ends the Sermon on the Mount with this, with this little parable, this little metaphor of those who hear this and actually put it into practice, like the wise man who builds a house on a rock. There's this firm foundation. I am taking seminary classes at Fuller Theological Seminary, and uh, I'm really excited about it and scared to death because it's a lot of reading. But there's a man who uh, is affiliated with Fuller named Max Dupree, who uh, is this business leader. He's written some books. He started a number of different organizations. He was on the board at Fuller for a while. Tells this story about his granddaughter, who was born uh, premature. Her name was Zoe. Zoe means life. 
this daughter was born at like a pound and a half, and they weren't sure if she was going to make it. And it was one of those things where she was in the hospital for months as the, the doctors tried to keep her alive and allow her to grow. Max Dupree would go and visit his granddaughter uh, in the hospital all the time. And when he would go in there and, and see his daughter and, and go and visit the baby, he would, he would go up and he would, he would talk to the baby, and, and the doctors would allow him to reach out and to touch the baby. And one of the nurses came to Max and said, it's really important that you, that you really give a lot of affirmation and love to the child at this age because the child can feel it. And the child actually makes a connection between your voice, what you speak into the child's life, and your touch, the loving touch. And uh, it's important for you to, to, to bo- both use your voice and your touch and allow the child to connect the voice and touch. There's something powerful when that happens. It's very life-giving. And I think that here in the Sermon on the Mount, as Jesus talks about this revolutionary teaching, he says in this passage, don't just listen to it, but actually do what I'm telling you. Actually live out these teachings. Jesus makes this same kind of connection between voice and touch. It's not just what you affirm as you follow Jesus, but it's what you actually do. He who hears these words of mine and then puts them into practices like someone who's building their house on the solid foundation that is unshakable. There's something connected between hearing and doing. There's something connected between what we proclaim and how we act. And in fact, I would say this is kind of the big rub with the church, right? We don't necessarily practice what we preach. And so what happens is people come into a church setting and they have this experience that leaves them hurt or burned or people don't actually maybe offer the grace and love that Jesus has because we're all humans and you have this, well, that place is actually more harmful than life giving. And so we have this generation of people who've like walked away from the church because of the pain that the church has caused. But at the core of Jesus' teaching, there's this connection between voice and touch. What we affirm and how we act. And this is what Jesus is doing here. The way that we act goes hand in hand with what we preach. And so to be a new church and a new community that's inviting people to fall in love with Jesus in this new context, how we act, how we treat each other is extremely important, and how we treat this community is extremely important because Christianity is about voice and touch. As Jesus gets off the mount and this huge crowd is following him in Matthew chapter 8, the first person he runs into in this story coming down from the Sermon on the Mount the first person that he sees is a man who has leprosy. And it's almost like, uh, like Matthew's saying, like, here we go. Jesus has just, you know, taught the sermon on what it means to be uh, this, this message of love into the world. And the first person he encounters is probably the most unlovable person in, in, that, in, in that culture. This person who has leprosy. We've talked a little bit about the people who have leprosy. It's kind of like the walking dead. They're actually considered already dead in their culture. And as they, uh, wherever a person with leprosy would walk, they'd have to shout out, unclean, unclean. No one come near me. No one touch me. There's all sorts of thoughts of people who got leprosy happened because they had messed up and there was some sort of sin in their life that had brought about the wrath of God. And now they were living with the consequences. And so there were these unrighteous, unclean people. And then Jesus coming down from the Sermon on the Mount with this huge crowd following him has this encounter with a leper. 
and the leper calls out, the leper seeks Jesus. And what we find is that Jesus reaches out his hand and he touches the leper and he brings healing to the leper. The poorest of the poor, the powerless, the outcasts of society. The first thing Jesus does coming off the Sermon on the Mount is has this interaction with this unlovable person and he brings restoration to that person's life. Puts him to practice what he's been teaching. Blessed are the poor. Connects voice to touch. Right after the story of the leper, if you go through Matthew chapter 8, his next encounter, the next person he encounters is this centurion, this Roman soldier. You couldn't find a more opposite person in Scripture from the leper than this guy. A centurion was in charge of 100 men uh, in the Roman army. And if you look at how the Roman armies are organized, they have these legions. Uh, Legions usually consisted of about 6,000 troops. And in that 6,000, they broke it down that they would have six groups of 100 or 60 groups of 100 people. And so this centurion is in charge of uh, one of those 60, which means there's 60 officers in the legion in this area, which means he's a really big deal. And oftentimes in scripture, these centurions, uh, having, they have these encounters with, with, with people who are uh, uh, Jesus or his disciples or the early church. And the, these centurions are always handled with a lot of honor and respect. But also they're Roman soldiers. And so they are these political enemies of the people who are following Jesus. So there's all sorts of respect for their, their, and honor for who they are and their power and what they can call down at any moment if you cross them. Uh, but there's also this disdain for them because they're from the country that invaded you and are oppressing you. So what is Jesus going to do when he has this next encounter with someone who has all the power with all the wealth? What we find is a centurion has a servant that's sick and probably dying, and he seeks Jesus, cries out for help. They have this interaction, and eventually what happens is that Jesus comes into contact with the centurion and then goes in and heals the servant. So first he runs into this poor and powerless leper, has this encounter with him, and then he goes to someone who's completely opposite, this wealthy, uh, dignified centurion. He has this encounter where he brings him healing and restoration. Right back to back, coming off the Sermon on the Mount, two completely opposite figures. I think what Matthew, the author of this, is trying to do is say, look at this Jesus, this message of Jesus, in this way of Jesus, it's for all kinds of people. It's for those on the underside of society, the, the down and out, those who have been outcasts, and it's for those who are pretty high in society, the wealthy, the powerful. And here's another thing that Matthew points out, both sides of the spectrum here between the leper and the centurion, and they both need Jesus, and they both come to Jesus. Both of them seeking hope for their own broken state. They come to Jesus. A couple months ago, I think it was this summer, um, one of my favorite uh, celebrities and comedians, uh, Robin Williams, passed away. We found out that he had committed suicide and found out that he had been tormented for quite some time with depression and, and all sorts of different. And it was kind of, it was shocking, and it was weird how our culture took it as we heard the news that this comedian who brought joy to so many people would take his own life. Um, and it's interesting because we live in a world that there's brokenness all around us and there's death every single day. And it's, it seems like, you know, what happened just happened in Paris this last week is the world just kind of seems like it's just crazy right now. 
But something about this celebrity who takes his own life really hit hard to a lot of people. And it's almost like when you have this, this figure that you have this idea of, you know, the way his life is, and you find out it's completely opposite. It's, it's, uh, it was devastating. And right about the time when he passed away, there's this uh, pastor that I follow from Nashville named Scott Sauls who sent out this tweet. He said, wealth, fame, genius, and suicide. Hemingway, Rothkow, Cobain, McQueen, and now Robin Williams. And he said this, pain is universal, and everyone needs compassion. Pain is universal. Everyone needs compassion. The leper, who's an outcast from society, the centurion who commands men in the strongest army the world has ever seen at that point. Both of them pain, both of them coming to Jesus, seeking help. Coming to Jesus, seeking help. Pain is universal. None of us are immune to it. Which means people in this community are not immune to it. Both sides of the spectrum. Go to the next slide. When it comes to our pain, all of us have this, this hope. What we've been talking about is hope for restoration, hope for healing. This other pastor said there are two different kinds of hope in our world. The hope for something and the hope for someone. When you look at the story of the leper, when you look at the story of the centurion, both of them were hoping to get help. Both of them are hoping for healing, for restoration, for life. And both of them put their hope in Christ and Jesus at this point. Both of them come to Jesus seeking help. I would say this for the next slide. When we seek Jesus, we find hope. Hope is found in Christ, the personification of love. God made flesh. God come down to this earth. Hope is found when we seek Christ. It's true for the leper. It's true for the centurion. Hope is found in Christ. Colossians uh, chapter 3 says this about Jesus. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning of the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him, in Christ, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his bloodshed on the cross. So this Jesus figure that we've been looking at, this Jesus figure that everything that we do is all about, It's how God unleashes hope into the world. Jesus, the Son of God, who we follow. When we seek him, we find hope. True for the leper, true for the centurion, true for us. We seek him. Hope is found in the presence of Christ. Then I would also say this, that the author of Hebrews picks up on this idea, and he says, we have this hope as an anchor of our soul, an anchor for the soul, this hope that we have in Christ. When we see Christ, we find hope. But then there's also this, as Jesus is not only teaching us the way, but showing us the way. When we look at the Sermon on the Mount, when we connect this voice to touch, when we're able to be approachable to lepers and centurions as a church, I would say that when we live out the teachings of Jesus, when we inhabit the teachings of Jesus, the world finds hope. The world finds hope. 
This is what it means to follow Jesus, to be a disciple. We become like him. We do what he does. For Jesus to break down the barriers that separate people, an outcast leper, a political enemy. For Jesus to see their brokenness and to meet them in their brokenness and to offer them healing. And then for us to hear what he does, to see what he does, and then to put it in action, to connect our voice to our touch in the community. Jesus also talks about when we do this. This is this foundation that we're building in this life that's unbreakable, that's unshakable. The storm can't wipe it away. A connection between seeking Jesus, finding hope in him, and then actually living out, inhabiting these teachings of Jesus so that the world can find hope as well. One of my favorite authors is this uh, man named Greg Boyd, and he says this about the church, about really what we're doing here. He says, according to the Bible, according to Scripture, the community of those who submit to Christ's lordship are in a real sense to be Jesus to the world. For through the church, Christ himself continues to expand the reign of God in the world. And we are collectively his second body. That's why they use the phrase when we talk about the church, that we're the body of Christ. The second body, as it were, through which he continues to do what he did in the first body. Through us, Jesus continues to embody the kingdom of God in the world. And Christ dwells in us and among us, individually and corporately. And he longs to live through us individually and corporately. And God is about growing this new kingdom through his body to take over the world. And that's what a church does. We're the second body of Christ in this community. And we do what that first body does as we read through his teachings, as we follow his life, as we see how he interacts with people. We bring hope. We find hope in him, and then we bring it to other people. So today, as we uh, continue to build this community I want this to be a place where hope is found, where hope is found, where the brokenness of this neighborhood, for the brokenness of this city, for this part of the valley can come and say, I was in despair, I was hurting, but I found hope there because of Christ, and I found hope there because of his people. Part of the reason that we want to create an environment where the church and the community can intersect is because we believe that so many people have given up on the hope of the world, which is the church, which is the body of Christ. They've given up on the message of Christ, and they don't feel comfortable necessarily walking into a church setting. We want to create a place where they feel comfortable to walk in so that they can find hope. So as we continue to, uh, to develop that, to move towards that, we need to be a people who uh, have found hope in Christ. And today, um, we're going to spend some time just uh, kind of reflecting and, and examining our own life. And when it comes to who Jesus is and what he's done, um, I just want to challenge us to say, maybe you've never put your hope in Christ. Maybe you've never um, sought him out in whatever your situation is. Maybe that hope needs to be renewed. Maybe that hope needs to be um, something that's jump-started inside of you so that it's overflowing to other people. I want to take some time today to just reflect. And the first thing I want to do is to think about 
uh, connecting our voice to touch and think about what Jesus has done and then says for us to do the same. Uh, Identify something in your life, a circumstance that leaves you feeling powerless right now. Identify a circumstance that feels hopeless. Maybe it's not as extreme as the leper. Maybe it's not as extreme as um, having someone close to you passing away. Everyone needs compassion. What is it in your life right now that you need to identify that just, I feel hopeless? And the second thing would be to surrender it to Christ today. Maybe you've never come to Christ. Maybe you've never become aware of his presence and just given him whatever it is. To surrender it to Christ. To place it at his feet. The third thing is to simply trust. Trust the goodness of Christ. Last week we talked about trusting the goodness of the king. The goodness of the king is greater than any situation that we find ourselves in. What things do you need to just surrender and then trust that they're in God's hands? Like the leper coming to him, the centurion seeking him out. And then the fourth thing from there would be this week to not just internalize it, but to become aware of those sitting around you, become aware of those people at work. Who do you need to seek out this week that needs hope? Who do you need to seek out that you need to put the love of Christ into action? Maybe it's family, maybe it's uh, friends, maybe it's someone at work, maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's someone that you don't know very well, but you know they're struggling. So the band's going to come back up, and Matt's going to close us in uh, some music, and I just want to spend some time reflecting to do this practice, to identify, to surrender, to trust, and to seek out. Like the verse in Colossians said, Jesus is reconciling the brokenness of this world, and he did that through his bloodshed on the cross. So every week as a new church, what we've been doing is centering everything around this idea of communion. We do this to represent what God did for us through Jesus. And in this time, as you reflect and as you kind of examine your life, if you'd like to come up and take communion, it's over here. Um, There's bread that represents the body of Christ. And there's juice that represents his blood that was poured out. As a church, as a second body, um, doing what Jesus does, we do the same thing. We break ourselves open. We pour ourselves out for the community. But when you come and you take the communion today, after you examine yourself, as you take it and you remember what God has done, as you find hope in him, also do it in remembrance that we're to be what Jesus is to this community. As you think about who you can seek out this week and be Jesus to them, remember that in communion as well. So Matt's going to close us with a couple songs. Let's sit, reflect, let's sing. Let's move to communion if you feel comfortable. And then I'll close us with some prayer. Lord, thank you so much for this day. We thank you for loosing hope into the world through Jesus. We thank you for showing us the way, not only in what Jesus taught us, Lord, but how he actually lived to do things as radical as come in contact with a leper, someone that no one else would want to touch. For crossing over a social barrier with a centurion to connect with them, to love people that were hard to love. Lord, I pray that we would do the same thing here at Desert City Church. That we would come to you with 
the things that just feel out of control and hopeless, that we would find new life, and that we would be aware of others around us who are feeling hopeless, that we would offer them hope, that this would be a place, Lord, where hope is found for this community. We give you this time. We ask you to move our hearts to speak to us. We become aware of your presence right now, Lord. Your sons and we pray. Amen.